0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. There we go. Welcome back to our third night. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing the conclusion of uh, Jim's story that he left us hanging on last night. Um, And again, just a reminder, our next uh, event here at the parish uh, will be, uh, well, two things. Uh, On Friday, uh, March... Nineteenth, which is the Feast of St. Joseph. There's going to be a special Mass in the evening, and those of you that may have been uh, going through the consecration of St. Joseph, uh, we'll be doing the consecration uh, prayer after that Mass. Uh, The Saturday before that, March 13th, is... uh, Our guest speaker, Mike Aquilina, who's coming to speak about St. Joseph. He's got a book about St. Joseph. He'll be doing two talks that morning, beginning at 9 here in the church. So I invite you to come uh, and join us and learn more about St. Joseph in this year of St. Joseph. Uh, And with that, I'm going to hand things over to Jim, and he's going to lead us in prayer.
1: Good evening. Welcome back to the third night. Uh, those of you that are still here with us, you're always the valiant troopers who uh, pushed through to the end. Amen. Uh, we're going to begin with prayer. I'm going to do something a little different. The last couple of nights we did evening prayer, but tonight I'm just going to play a song. Uh, it's actually a little medley of, of songs uh, that I, I just want you to kind of close your eyes and let the words of these uh, kind of touch our hearts as we open ourselves up in prayer tonight. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we are so grateful uh, for this week and for this opportunity that we've had to be together in prayer, in learning, in opening our hearts to all of the ways that you wanted to move in the midst of us. Uh, and Lord, I pray for us tonight that our hearts would be open and receptive to all uh, all the rest that you want to give us Uh, lift our hearts and hope and allow us to be aware of and to recognize your incredible labor of love for us Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit amen that is uh probably one of my theme songs from this past year or so i've uh, I, di- I discovered it about a year and a half ago, and uh it's it 's been a huge source of inspiration for me in my prayer, so I wanted to share it with you it's by it 's by a group called Mass Anthem, if you have never heard of them, but um so, let me uh, just kind of recapture where we've been the last uh, couple of nights and, and then where we're going tonight. So, the first night we talked about there's more hard, right? And I, I was specifically talking about why. why. Why is there more hard coming? And we we kind of landed on those three reasons that God's shaking the foundation of things. He's shaking the foundation of the world, I think, and but in the midst of that, He wants us to be holy. So He's allowing things to be hard because He He He's drawing us into deeper holiness. But finally, He's allowing hard, uh, and things are getting hard because of the unique times that we live in apost- an apostolic age, right? And then I talked about those five things that we can do. Stop complaining, embrace our reality, get closer to Jesus, find your fellowship, and practice, practice, practice. 10,000 hours, right? Then last night, we talked about how there's so much more that we can give, and God has a limitless capacity to meet us exactly where we're at, but he loves us too much to leave us there. So baby steps, whatever it is for each of us, all of us can take baby steps to give more to God than we're giving right now. And then I I talked a little bit about those critical earmarks of discipleship, seeing and hearing and how those are so important. Uh, We we don't, in the end, want to get up to the, the door of heaven and actually not make it in like I missed my flight right? Uh, we, we, wanna, we actually want to get into heaven uh, and, and don't want to end up missing the flight in the end. So where, where are we going tonight? Um, I, I, I want to start by just sharing uh, some, this, the context of the, the past couple of years with my work in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. I, I got hired there to help the Archdiocese do what, what's called strategic planning. Uh, they, they wanted to develop a strategic pastoral plan for, for the whole archdiocese and then implement it. Mo- most dioceses go hire an outside consulting firm to come in and help them do this. They decided they wanted to hire a person who had done strategic planning Uh, And this is what I've helped other dioceses do this, but they wanted to hire me to not only help them come up with the strategic plan, but actually implement it after the plan was designed, So, uh, which is very, very hard to do. It's a lot easier to be the consultant who comes in and helps them create a plan and then goes away, and then it's like, okay, you guys figure it out. Uh, I'm learning. It's a lot harder to be the guy on the ground that's actually trying to get everybody to do what we planned. Right? Uh, so here'd be a couple of things that I would say. You, you ever heard this phrase before? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. You, anyone ever heard this before? Uh, and you know it to be true, right? Um, well, I would add to that if culture eats strategy for breakfast, I would say pandemics eat strategy for lunch and for dinner. Because we had a culture, kind of a set culture in the archdiocese that made it very difficult to implement some of the things that we had planned. But when you add to that, the pandemic hitting when it did. So listen to the timing of this. I, I worked for almost 18 months doing all kinds of listening sessions and, and focus groups and surveys and going all around the diocese and talking to people, talking to priests and talking to lay leaders and gathering information, mountains of information. And eventually, we come to a place of crafting a plan. We have the Archbishop write a pastoral letter. And then months later, we, we, we craft our strategic pastoral plan. We called it Vision 2030 because we are pointing all the way out to the year 2030 and then we had a big celebration let's get everybody together and have a big party we had over 1500 people from all around the diocese that comes together for this big convocation event to celebrate our new plan we printed it in a book and we gave a copy of the book to everybody And then we went home for Christmas, and we came back to start implementing the plan, and COVID hit. Fizzle, 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 fizzle. It went nowhere. I mean, actually, the first couple months, January and February, I was already struggling with the culture and trying to figure out how do I I push through the culture and get the priest really on board and get other leaders really on board. Uh, but then when the pandemic hit, it was kind of like, almost like game over, right? So the reason why I'm sharing all of this with, with you, you, you may wonder like, what does this have to do with us and our, and our mission? Uh, and it actually has a lot to do with us. I, I spent a ton of time praying because at a certain point, we, we probably tried maybe four different attempts over the past year to reintroduce what we're doing invite people to start getting on board get, you know h- helping them understand here's what you need to start doing we just we just got hardly any response at all it was just going nowhere i'm praying i'm praying and and, and in in some ways i'm starting to panic a little bit like i'm the guy that they hired to help us do this and I don't want the, the circumstances, as bad as they are, to actually cause us to fail. If too much time goes by and we can't get traction with this, what's, what's gonna, what is that going to look like on the other side of all of this? Is, is it just going to fizzle out and die? And now this is just going to be a book that everybody puts on their bookshelf or worse, throws into the garbage can, right? Right. Here's how God works though. One day, I mean, I, I would actually say, never forget who's really in charge, right? Uh, we, we can kind of laugh about this, at least I can. One day my son calls me up, he's, he, he's our oldest. He never moved with us to Oklahoma City State in Colorado. And uh, he's, he sells insurance there now for a small insurance company. And he calls me up one day and says, hey, could I introduce you to a guy? He goes, I don't know why. I, th- I, think I think the two of you would just be a good connection for each other. And I'm like, sure. You know, I'm kind of suspicious, you know. Uh, he, he says, he's in my networking group. I, I have a group that I meet with, you know, every other week. And it's, it's, it's all kinds of other people in, in various fields. But it's kind of like my networking group, you know and uh, I'll just do an email introduction. I, I was very suspect of this, and uh, have you ever been, in, anyone else ever been in one of these situations, <laughs> where somebody wants to introduce you to somebody who's like, I don't have time for anybody else in my life. Uh, I got too many people that I already know and too many contacts and networks, and uh, you know, so he sends me an email, and I really resisted. You know, it was probably three weeks of the other person responding to the joint email saying, you know, first, thanks, Aaron, for introducing us. Hi, Jim. Nice to meet you. Uh, would love to connect sometime and, and, and just talk about what each, what each other do. I didn't respond. Then he emails me like a week later, and then he emails me like a week later. Um, and then his last email, which was like, you know, three, three and a half weeks later, He sends a message and says, hey Jim, Aaron introduced us a long time ago. Uh, I'm not sure if this just fell off your radar. If you got too much going on and you're too busy, it's all good, Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna clear this out of my inbox. If you wanna connect, let me know. Well, then I felt bad because not, not so much because I hadn't connected with him, because my son was going to be mad at me. And I knew that he would say, why did you never respond to that? You know, so I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I got to at least have a phone call with this person and see, see what, it, you know, what, what it is that he wants. So I emailed back and said, hey, I'm so sorry. I, I have had a lot going on, blah, blah, blah. Let's set up a phone call. We talk on the phone a couple days later, and as he starts telling me what he does, all of these light bulbs start going off for me. He's a video, he, he owns a video production company, and you know what he specializes in? Helping people tell compelling stories about who they are and what they want to do. He helps people build a story around their mission and their vision. He's a storyteller. And the more and more that I listen to him, I'm like, wait a second. Do you have any examples of what you're talking about? He's like, oh, yeah. Go to my – he goes, can you get online? You know, so while I'm on the phone with him, he sends me to his website, and I start seeing a couple of the videos that he's produced, which, by the way, they're of ministries in Denver that I know personally and one of them I'd actually worked with when, when I was there. And when you watch the video, it's like the, the whole thing pops off the, the page at you. And like all of a sudden, I had these light bulbs go off in my head. This is what's wrong with my whole Vision 2030 thing. I'm giving people a book and telling them here's our plan, but I'm not telling them a story. I, I'm not communicating in a way that's compelling at all. So I end up hiring this guy as a consultant. He flies to Oklahoma City, spends an entire day with my whole staff and helps us represent everything that we're trying to do with our pastoral plan and put it into a narrative story. And it's, it's beautiful how it's coming together. It's not completely finished yet, but here's one of the things that emerged, actually three things, I, what, what, I, what I realized is I was giving people the Archbishop's pastoral letter and a pastoral plan, which in a certain way were an answer to a question. You know what the problem was? No one was asking a question. Like, the, what, what's the question? What, what, what should we do? What, what, what do we need to do? Oh, here. <laughs> but if nobody's asking you, what should we do? And you try and give them, hey, here's the answer to the question that you're not asking. Right? Well, they're, they're busy. They're distracted. They got all kinds of other things they're thinking about. And they're, they're like, what, what does this have to do with me? And why do I care? You know, thanks. Put that in the round file cabinet. Right? What emerged when we spent the whole day with them, kind of building the story, is we can't just approach people and assume that they want a plan. We have to approach people and, first of all, understand what, what is their passion? What's their first love? Why, why did they become a, you know, for our priest in particular, why, why did you become a priest in the first place? When's the last time that you remembered why you got into this in the first place? And where's your pain right now? When you get up every morning, like once, once you kind of rediscover that passion, when you get up every morning, are you able to do what you were passionate about all those years ago? Chances are probably not, right? So how could we free up Time free up energy remove obstacles so that you could do what you're passionate about again Do you see how all of a sudden this is becoming a completely different story? Get in touch with your first love Remember your first love make room in your life for mission Free up space remove obstacles and then embrace mission. What's kind of beautiful about this, and this is why I think this has something to do with us tonight. Aren't those the same things that every single one of us need to do? This isn't just about a pastor at a parish. This, this is about individual people. Like one of the reasons why we sometimes stall and stagnate in our spiritual life is because we've actually forgotten who we are. We've we've forgotten our first love. We've forgotten why we're here in the first place. And then once we forget that, we kind of get busy and we get distracted and we start doing all kinds of things every day. We're busy taking care of kids and we're busy trying to provide for our families. We're we're like the cow working for 40 years and giving milk and, and hauling the plow out in the field, working under the hot sun. And we just forget who we are. Sometimes we have to stop and remember who we are and where this all started. And once we rediscover that passion, that actually motivates us. Like, I'm, I'm losing touch with mission here. How, how can I make room? How can I free up space for mission to get, to get reconnected with that? And, and now I've actually got the ability to embrace mission Right. So rediscovering our first love, I just want to pause there for a minute. I started to tell you a story last night. So rediscovering my first love, I'll tell you my story a little bit. I was nine and a half years old. And I I shared last night that my mom had had this kind of conversion experience uh, on on her knees in Denny's. Several weeks later, she's going to this prayer meeting and invites us kids, do we want to go? Uh, She didn't explain to us the details that the prayer group that night was going to this Pentecostal big gathering that had a guest speaker in from out of town. And so when we walk in there and there's like a thousand people, we're like, holy smoke, like this is the prayer meeting that you go to every week? And she's like, no, 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 like this is a special event. Uh, And so we're... We, we find a place to sit and, the, the, you know, like I said last night, the guy's walking back and forth and he's got a Bible in his hand. He's waving his Bible. It's very Pentecostal, okay? Beautiful music, praise and worship music thing going on. I fell asleep. I, I was nine and a half, you know, so a typical kid. I, I just, you know, like as, as mesmerized as I was with the speaker Uh, a little bit into the thing, I just started getting tired. I couldn't understand everything he was saying and I I fell asleep. I wake up to clapping because he's done. Everybody's clapping, you know. Well, after the clapping ends, this guy says, and I think this is where I stopped last night. This was the cliffhanger. This is what he says. If you want to experience what I've been talking about tonight, I want to invite you to come up here so that I can pray with you. I'm nine and a half. I slept through the whole talk. So I have no idea what he's talked about, right? But who do you think is the first person out of my chair and almost running up the aisle? I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Like, if you want to personally experience what I've been talking about tonight, I don't think I even let him finish the statement. You know, like once he said, I wanted to invite you to come up here, I was walking. Now, I didn't realize that my brother, who's just a year older than me, when he saw me leave, he started going after me. Because he was like, well, I'm not going to let him go and and me not get uh, something. So I didn't know that he was. Trying to catch up to me, but I had gotten a lead because my first, my my first—I think I started running uh, without realizing—and then I stopped and was walking, but I was walking fast. So he's like doing the fast walk, trying to catch up with me, and I'm—I'm—I'm realizing all of a sudden that people are laughing, and so I'm looking around like, why is everybody? What's everybody laughing at? And then I realize everybody's looking at me. And I'm coming down this aisle in this big, huge auditorium with, you know, like a like thousand people or whatever, and, and when, when I realize they're laughing at me, I can't figure out why would they be laughing at me, and so I'm kind of, like, looking around me, like, what is going on? And then I realize my brother's coming, and he's doing the fast walk, and I'm like, uh-uh, I'm first. And so then I start walking faster, and then he starts walking faster, and, like, the two of us are, like, you know, almost, like, racing to get up to the front, and, uh... The whole place, you know, once we started racing with each other, the whole place just breaks out in an uproar, you know. And so we finally get up to the front. No one else now is coming up front because we, we became the show, I think. And every, everybody just kind of like paused watching this whole thing happen. So the, the guy up front says, uh, let's hear it for these two young men, the first people up here tonight to respond to my invitation. And, you know, the whole place claps and whatever. And, and, and he was like, I am inviting other people, though. If anyone else would like to come tonight, I want to invite you to come up here. And so then a bunch of other people, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people all came forward to get prayed with. As, as I was prayed over that night, I, I, I don't know how to describe it uh, other than, like, it was a physical experience. It, it wasn't just a spiritual experience. And as a nine-and-a-half-year-old kid, like I, uh, I, I suppose you could say maybe I'm prone to imagination, making things up, but the fact that my brother had a very similar experience and then my sister had a very similar experience and my mom had a very similar experience, um, I don't think I'm making this up. And when I tell you the rest of the story, you'll, you'll believe me, I'm not making this up. Um, I felt like somebody had taken almost like electric, you know, like... If, if you had two cables hooked up to a powerful battery and you just kind of stuck it to a person and like jolted their body, like that's what it felt like to me. When, when he put his hands on me, I felt, my whole, I felt something course through my whole body that made me open my eyes. Like what did they just do? What did they just touch me with? I mean, like I felt something and all that was on me was this guy's hands, you know. And, uh, and so he says to me, he evidently felt something too, and I open my eyes, like, what, what was that? And I look at him, he's looking right in my eyes. And, uh, and, and he's like, son, Jesus wants to give a special gift to you tonight. What, what, what do you want to ask him? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> what, 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 what would I ask Jesus for? Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at him, he's waiting, and he's like, he wants to give you anything you ask for. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I you know, like my brother, when he was asked this, he had had hernias. All, you know, for, for like the last year, year and a half, he had had four hernia and several operations. And they had told him he would never play sports again. And he said, I want to be healed of my, all of my hernia, damage so that I can play. I want to be an athlete. My, my sister had had a surgery and, and the surgery had gone badly and they had to break her femur bone and put a steel plate in her leg. And this was the sister who was born with cerebral palsy, right? And she, she prayed that she could go have that steel plate removed and it wouldn't cause any more damage. My mom had varicose veins and had incredible swelling in her legs. Uh, you ever heard of elephantitis? My mom had that. Her feet were, her her the swelling around her ankles was just humongous, and it was very difficult for her to walk. And my my mom prayed for her the the healing of her legs and her ankles. And you know, like h- here I am, like well, I don't have any physical, I, I don't have any physical ailments. I don't need I don't need anything to be healed. I, and you're like, I'm, I'm racing in my head like, what do I ask for? What do I ask for? And then here's what comes out of me, out of my nine-and-a-half-year-old little innocent mouth. I want as much of Jesus as I can get. That's all I could think of was like, I don't know what you just did when you touched me, but I love the way it felt, and I just want more of that. I want as much of Jesus as I can get. This guy's eyes light up. And he's like, he can answer that prayer. And he puts his hands on me. And the same thing happens to me again, but even more powerfully. The thing ends, you know, we, they're, they're singing music. I'd never been to anything like this in my life. And the music was, was wonderful. I, I loved the music, but didn't know it. I wasn't familiar with any of it. We get in the car and start driving home, and for some odd reason, we thought it would be a cool idea to sing songs that none of us knew. So we were trying to, to repeat songs that we had just heard. My mom knew some of the words, but none of us kids did. And I think we were mixing songs together, you know, but it didn't matter because everybody was kind of so happy or we like on a little bit of that maybe Jesus high or something, and we're we're singing a song but like I said I think it was a conglomeration of multiple songs and it probably sounded horrible like really if anyone would have recorded the thing it probably just would have been laughable how bad it sounded because we were singing really loud like everyone was just kind of singing at the top of their lungs in the car and we're driving down the road you know and there was a pause like in between two songs There, there was this kind of quiet moment and Little, little me again I'm only nine and a half years old Okay, but out of my mouth I, I say and I, I don't think I said this I really think I, I don't know how to describe it but like what I said was your father is going to be healed in six months and restored to your family my dad had been paralyzed since I was six months old he was in a nursing home and we were just waiting for him to die Every time we would go to visit him, he would kick us out of his room because he was so bitter and so angry about how destroyed his life was. And he wanted my mom to give him a divorce and move on. He wanted her to go get remarried so that she could be happy again. At nine and a half years old, first of all, I wouldn't, I couldn't say something like that. Right? I mean, all all I can explain is that the Holy Spirit said that through me. And, you know, everybody just (laughs) pauses. There's like this incredible, awkward silence, you know, as like, what just happened? What was that? And then my mom starts singing another song, like trying to cover over the awkward moment. Let's just move on. We keep driving. Well, one of the weird things that happened that night was my brother when he got prayed over, he started like praying, but in a really weird, like it sounded like a different language. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the gift of tongues, but looking back on it now, we all know that that's what happened was for a brief period of time that night, my brother got the gift of tongues when he was prayed over. None of the rest of us did And, and As we're driving home, like particularly when I said that in the car, my brother starts praying really, really loud in the car in this other language. And, you know, it it was kind of enough to make your, your skin kind of, you just got chills up the back of your neck, you know, like something's happening. I don't know what's happening, but something's happening. We get home, and my brother says to my mom, I want to call dad and share my new gift with him. And my mom was like, not a good idea, not a good idea. Uh, Again, my dad's very angry, very bitter, and my mom felt like if he found out the kind of stuff that she was involved with, he would just be, you know, adamantly opposed, and how dare she expose children to this now, right? So she says, no, she won't let Matt do it. My brother sneaks down to another room where there's another phone and calls the nursing home and gets transferred to my dad's room. Doesn't give any time for explanation. Just says, Dad, Dad, we went to this prayer meeting tonight. I got a new gift. I want to share it with you. And then he just starts praying in tongues over the telephone. My dad stops him and says, Go get your mother on the phone. Matt very sheepishly comes upstairs to the kitchen and says, dad wants to talk with you. And my mom's like, no, you didn't call him. So she's going over to pick up the phone in the kitchen. You're like ready to just get cussed out is what she's expecting. So she answers the phone and rapid fire starts trying to explain. I told him not to call you. I wanted to explain this myself. And, and, and my dad stops her and says, stop, stop, listen to me. That boy just said the Lord's Prayer in Latin to me. It's the only prayer I remember from my high school Latin classes. I don't, I don't know, what, like th- these were his exact words. I don't know what you're involved with, but it's got to be real. My dad had a complete conversion transformation over the next three, four months. He wanted the deacon from the prayer group at our parish to come and start teaching him and explaining to him the stuff that my mom had been doing. And eventually he started to get excited about what he was learning. He wanted to share with other patients in the nursing home. And so he asked the deacon if he could bring other people and could they do a class for anyone in the nursing home that wanted to, wanted to sit in? And so they did a, what's called a life in the spirit seminar basically at the nursing home. And by the time they were done, they had like nine or ten patients that were wheeling down in their wheelchairs or their beds into this main room where the deacon and a couple of other people would, would come and give talks and would pray with people. Well, it was almost six months to the day that we got a call one night from the nursing home that my dad had slipped into a grand mal seizure and he wasn't going to make it. My mom got all of us kids together in the living room. We started praying a rosary She called Deacon Rudy from our parish and asked if he would go and give him last rites and give him communion. And we just kind of got on our knees and we just prayed. And the whole time that we were praying, I said, because my mom kept praying for a peaceful transition. And I kept saying, what? He's going to be healed. And my mom kept discouraging, trying to discourage me. I was like, mom, God told us. He's going to be healed. So we're sitting in the living room and like I'm almost in an argument with my mom because she's wanting to pray that my dad would have a peaceful death and I'm saying no, we need to pray that he would be healed because that's what God said was going to happen. Meanwhile at the nursing home, Deacon Rudy gets there and he's given my dad last rites and, and giving him communion. He's in, a, he's in a grand mal seizure, so he's completely unresponsive. He can't even take the communion. So the deacon had to break a little, little small piece of the communion and put it under his tongue. And that was the only way that he could give him the sacrament. My dad, who was kind of lost to the world at that time in the seizure, his experience that he would share later was, once Deacon Rudy gave him the Eucharist, his whole room became like a white cloud. And through the cloud walked the person of Jesus. And he walked right up to the end of his bed, and he knelt down. He didn't have a bucket, he didn't have a towel, but he started washing his feet And my dad would explain it later saying, I I didn't understand because there was no bucket, there was no water, there was no towel, but I felt water. Like as he was washing my feet, I could feel water. And it wasn't just water on my feet. It was water inside my body. The water was filling up my feet and then it was filling up my legs and then it was filling up my hips and then it was filling up my torso. And the water kept filling up my whole body until it got all the way up into my head and then at a certain point my body couldn't hold any more water and it's like a little cap popped off the top of my head. And as soon as that happened Jesus stopped washing my feet. And he stood up and he smiled at me with a very simple smile and he turned around and just walked away and the cloud like enveloped him and disappeared. And then he was sitting up in his bed, no idea what had happened, what was going on. So he's just sitting up in bed. He had not sat up in bed on his own for almost four years. He was paralyzed from the neck down. He's sitting up in his bed, has no idea how he was sitting up. He looks out to the right, out a window, and the sun is rising. So this vision, Deacon Rudy gave him the Eucharist at like 11 o'clock the night before. So this vision, all he can think is that it lasted all night long. So he's just kind of dazed, confused, and, and just waiting there and not sure what to do. And then all of a sudden he hears footsteps you know, in a, in a nursing home, you know, like the tile floors and nurse shoes, squeaky, 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 squeaky. That's coming down the hallway. It's a male nurse in the nursing home. He gets to my dad's door and he's, as he's walking by, and my dad hears the footsteps stop and then back up. And he sticks his head in the room, and then he walks in the room. And he looks very confused and puzzled. And my dad's just sitting up in bed looking at him. My dad's thinking he's probably wondering how I got sat up in bed. And if he asks me, I'm not going to know how to answer. But when he got up close to his bed, he wasn't looking at him, he was looking at the floor. And he said, What the heck happened in here, Harold? That was my dad's name. There's water everywhere. There was a small lake at the end of my dad's bed. Huge puddle of water. He thought the catheter broke open or he had spilled a water bottle. So he's, he's looking around trying to figure out where's the source of the water. He can't figure it out. And so finally he says, I, I gotta go get a mop. So he leaves to go get a mop. And my dad is sitting there like, I don't think that was just a dream. So he decides, I'm going to try to get out of bed. He had not walked in nine years. He swings his legs out of bed and kind of props himself so that he can stand up. And he stands. And then he thought, I'm going to try to walk to the bathroom. And so he walks across the room. He's shaky. You know, he's kind of weak and unstable. Uh, And the floor looked a mile away. He was healed that night, just like the Lord told me. And and like I said, it it literally was almost six months to the day that this happened. Just a few weeks later was my 10th birthday. You know what we did for my 10th birthday? We took my dad to the prayer group at my parish. The group of people that had been praying for him. All of this time with my mom. The deacon, a number of the people that had gone to the nursing home and had done the seminar, you know, for all the other patients and for my dad. So he's in his wheelchair we, and and it was upstairs on the second floor of a school building, and so we had to carry his wheelchair upstairs. And I, I remember that, I remember it really well because I got a new pair of cowboy boots for my birthday, my tenth birthday, and I was wearing my new cowboy boots. And I was, I, I, you know, like new cowboy boots just make you look so cool. And like I'm I'm carrying I'm carrying my dad's wheelchair up these stairs, you know, like I was one of the big guys. I was carrying the load, you know, and we, we get upstairs and we go into this room where everybody and everyone's greeting and saying hello to my dad. And uh, they started out the prayer meeting with a song and then they said, are there any glory stories? Are there any glory stories this week? And my dad raises his hand from the back of the room. He's like, I've got a glory story. And everyone's like, okay, Harold, we'd love to hear it. And so he just gets up out of his wheelchair and walks up to the podium. And everyone in the room is gasping, you know. And my dad stands up there and tells the story, you know. Greatest birthday ever, right there, right? As a 10-year-old kid, God had shown himself to me in a way that was undeniable, I've had lots of experiences. You know, like If I look back on my journey, I've had lots of little reversions and rekindlings. But, but actually, the, the very beginning for me, like that, that one night as a nine-and-a-half-year-old, I want as much of Jesus as I can get. Now, the, the, the flip side of all of this that I think is important is, you, you, did you ever, or do you ever wonder sometimes, and you read stories like this in the Bible about these miraculous healings, do you ever wonder, like, what happened to that person when they went back home? What, what, what happened to that guy that, you know, Lazarus, when they rose, when Jesus rose him from the dead? You know, I mean, everyone had buried him. Everyone went to his funeral, and then all of a sudden he's alive again, and he goes back home, you know, Like, what if he showed up at a dinner party? What would you ask him? You know what I mean? Like, it's awkward. It's just kind of awkward. This is... Like, one of the things that I'd want to say is... a, A miraculous healing... Doesn't change all of the human stuff. Does that make sense? Like, my dad, over those nine years, had 33 major surgeries... His back injury developed into spider cancer of the spine. And the cancer ate the lower four vertebrae of his back. Ate it. They were gone. He smoked like crazy. Plus, he was an alcoholic. He drank beer like it was going out of style in the nursing home. Back then, they let you smoke in your nursing home room. He developed lung cancer. He developed liver issues. So during those nine years, he had all kinds of other things. He had three brain surgeries because there were certain parts of his body that were paralyzed, but other parts that weren't. And he'd be laying in bed all day, and he'd develop bed sores and cramps. And so they did several brain surgeries where they just severed every nerve from his neck down. They didn't think he would ever walk again, so they just got rid of any pain-sensing ability, so he would never experience pain. His lung cancer got so bad that they had to remove one of his lungs. On the other side of the healing, the lower four vertebrae were back in his back. The lung was back in his body. All of the nerves that had been fried through brain surgeries were all active and working again. I mean, like it was a total and complete miraculous healing. But he still struggled with alcoholism. He still struggled with lots of anger. He still struggled from the fact that he was gone for nine years. He was not in relationship with us. He was not in relationship with my mom. Imagine coming back home after a healing like that. Like this, this is the other side of miracle that I think is important sometimes to think about. Miraculous healings doesn't fix all the human poverty. And there was a lot of poverty, if, if, if that makes sense. My dad became an overnight sensation and he went from never being home You know, like one of the greatest desires of my heart as a 10-year-old kid? It wasn't so much to have my dad healed. It was to have my dad. I hadn't known him my whole life. He He got injured when I was only six months old, and my only memory of him was sitting in bed with him in his hospital bed. But most of the time, particularly as I started to get older where I would really have memory, he was so bitter, so angry, he never wanted to see us. So as a 10-year-old kid, like the greatest desire of my heart was just to have him back. The awkwardness of coming home and being back with our family after all of that long absence, and then one speaking invitation after another, all over the country and then all over the world. He went to Europe. He went to Russia. He went to these different places telling his testimony. So he went from never being home because he was in a nursing home and he didn't want to see us to never being home because he was always traveling, telling everybody else about what happened. And for me, as a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid over the next several years, it was painful. And the more and more that he did the things that he was doing without really... Like this is a side tangent, you know, but have you ever wondered why Jesus would say to somebody that he healed, don't go tell anybody? I think this is why. Like a lot of times people explain the reason as Jesus didn't want to create too big of a following and then he wouldn't be able to get in, he wouldn't be able to go where he needed to go or maybe he'd be taken to Jerusalem ahead of time. You know, it, it's it's like most people interpret that the reason why Jesus Said that was because it, it was about what he needed, what Jesus needed. I, I actually, you know, from my own experience, I just wonder if it wasn't because of the person. Don't go tell anyone about this because if you do, everyone's going to marvel at the miracle, and, and pretty soon you're going to forget about me. You're, you're going to forget who I am and the relationship that you need to have with me. Because if you don't pursue that relationship, some of the other transformation and some of the other things that need to happen in your life, yeah, you've had a physical healing, but the spiritual healing still needs to happen. So don't go tell anybody just yet. Just get to know me. Why don't you come follow me? Why don't you spend some time with me? Alcoholism, depression, it was somewhat of a tragedy that a number of years later, my dad ended up dying of a massive heart attack. He never stopped drinking, didn't change the way that he ate, he didn't get more healthy, never stopped smoking. The miraculous doesn't always fix everything, right? And, and, and I think it's an important reality. But for me, and my point in sharing all of this is rediscovering your first love. I can't tell you how many times as I've gone on my journey that I've gone back to that nine-and-a-half-year-old moment. I want as much of Jesus as I can get. What's, what's your moment? What, what is your encounter with Christ like? Where is, where is that moment of meeting Christ and the, the beginning of the process of transformation? Yours may not be as, you know, like my, mine was a decisive moment that one night. Yours might've been more gradual uh, and, and it might've happened over, over time but I, I, I am somewhat convinced that for every single one of us, there, there has to be a moment, at least a moment of recognition. So e- even if it's something that we've, we've gone on, you know, uh, and, and a gradual conversion, there, there has to be a moment of recognition where you realize God is real and he loves me and he's actually inviting me into that love. Has that moment happened in your life? When did it happen if it has? And what what was critical about that moment for you? I, I want you to just close your eyes. We're, we're not going to do discussion tonight because... Um, I, I, I want to do something a little different this last night to pray with you. But I, I, I am convinced that rediscovering our first love or maybe discovering it for the first time is something that's so critical to being on this journey. Pope Benedict would say that our religion is one of one uniquely of memory we have to remember how god called us we we have to remember how god intervened in our lives and how he moved in our heart so just take a moment in the quiet of, of your own heart. What was that moment like for you? The theme tonight was: "There's more that God wants to give." In our first night, "There's more hard." Last night was: "There's more that we have to give." But tonight is is just recognizing that. First of all, I, I said this earlier in the week. God can never be outdone in generosity. So anything that we're willing to give, he's he's going to flood back to us uh, far more than than anything we ever gave. There's more that God wants to give. And, And I'm really convinced that in this unique time that we find ourselves in history, that one of the unique things that God wants to give is his power. Like if you look back in any period of history in the church that was apostolic, what what was one of the things that was just characteristic of those times? An outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, the, the, the apostles in, the, in those first 300 years, like, anywhere and everywhere they would go, like, people were being healed and uh, powerful things were happening. People were being raised from the dead, even. I mean, Peter would walk in places and people would jump into his shadow and would be healed. Just, just... By, by touching his shadow. If, if we're in a new apostolic time, and I, I really believe that we are, I, I think this is one of the things that we're going to see more and more of is that God has so much more he wants to give. If he's calling us into a hard time, right, and there's more hard coming, I, I do believe that, what we talked about two nights ago. And if he's calling us to give more, and I believe that, then I believe even more, ten times more, that God has more that he wants to pour out, more that he wants to give, more grace that he wants to give us and make accessible to us. Even the bells agree with me. They're ringing right now to emphasize what I'm saying. Last night, I invited you to start thinking about what's What's some area in your life where you could give more? Every single person is in a different place. You've got different circumstances and different things going on. But my hope is that through this mission, you're moved in some way to give a little bit more than maybe you were given before. And hopefully last night, some of those questions led you to start thinking about what are some of those areas. Tonight, let's pray for, for what you felt like God was moving in your heart. Let's pray for the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit to flood behind that human decision and give you all of the grace that you need to actually do it. For it not just to be a good idea, but for it to actually be something that really happens. Is there some sin in your life that you need to deal with? Is there a desire to be a better husband or a better wife or to be a better father or a better mother or a better son or a better daughter, a better friend or a better brother? Is there some desire in you to grow in some area of virtue? Is there some desire in you to share your faith and to be a bold witness to the people around you in your little corner of the world? Whatever it is that's moving in your heart, I, I believe that God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit to empower us to say yes. I, I, that's one of the things that I invited you last night is like, say yes. Say yes. Get after it. Be generous with, with what God's doing in your heart. Let's pray right now that God would just pour out his Holy Spirit for you in whatever that choice is. So I'm, I'm going to invite you to pray with each other. Uh, and you, if, if you feel comfortable putting your hand on the person's shoulder, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to. But l- let's just pray with each other uh, in, in, a, in, I think, a very powerful way, asking the Holy Spirit, you can share with the other person, here's where I felt moved to make some decisions of how I could give more or something that I feel like I need growth in that, that I need to pursue And then let the other person pray that the Holy Spirit would empower that decision and give you all of the grace that you need to actually do what it is that God moved you to do. Okay? So let's, let's take some time to share and pray with each other right now for the next several minutes. As you're p- praying with each other, I, I want to give us some other things to pray for. Because I-, I-, I really believe that in in this time, there-, there are some unique gifts that the Holy Spirit always gives that we uniquely need. Um, one of the principal works of the Holy Spirit is to heal our bodies. To, it, it's, it's called the threefold work of grace, to heal, perfect, and elevate. Like th- this is what the Holy Spirit and the work of grace does in us. Heals our broken nature, perfects us in the pursuit of virtue, and then elevates us. Like, you know, some, some fathers of the church would say that Jesus became man so that man could become God. That was from St. Irenaeus. Um. So th- this is the whole proposition of faith is that God's ultimately trying to make us him. He's trying to make us of the same stuff that he's made of, divine, right? So this is the threefold work of grace, to heal, perfect, and elevate. Every single person needs more of that, right? So l- let's just pray for that for all of us. Uh, let's just pray for a greater and greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit And the work of grace to be operative in our lives for that fundamental work of healing our nature, perfecting us in virtue, and elevating us to become more and more like God. So just pray with each other. I'm going to lead a prayer for us right now with this. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together tonight. To be here in your midst and we invite your holy spirit to be here in the midst of us lord i i truly believe that you are desiring to pour out your holy spirit in greater force and in greater power in our time and fundamentally the work of your spirit and the work of grace in us through the sacraments and through the sacramental life of the church and through the the work of grace In other believers you want to heal us you want to perfect us and you want to elevate us to be with you Uh, Lord I pray that that threefold work of grace would just come at all of us in greater and greater power that it would unfold for us that it would be at work in our lives and in our hearts healing our brokenness shining illumination on areas of sin, helping us, giving us power as we strive to grow and, and pursue virtue, that the Holy Spirit would come alongside us and would, would fuel those human efforts and, and, and help us have supernatural uh, accomplishment. And ultimately, Lord, that you would elevate us, that you would lift us, That you would make us more and more over time little by little more and more like you come with your holy spirit i think another area that the holy spirit really wants to move and work in our midst is is with healing uh he wants to bring healing in our lives but through us he actually wants to be a source of healing for other people uh, and so I, I just want to pray for us and have you pray with each other that, that wherever that gift of healing is needed, uh, not so much for ourselves because that was what we just prayed about with the heal, perfect, and elevate, but that the Holy Spirit would actually use us as an instrument to bring that grace of healing to other people, people in our family, people that we work with, people that we go to school with, people that we're friends with. Like one of the most tragic things that I've experienced over all of my years of doing youth ministry, I've had seven teenagers take their lives with suicide. And those are some of the most tragic, regretful things of, of my youth ministry years. Remembering those funerals and comforting kids as they tried to deal with all the confusion and loss of a friend who took their own life and you know the one thing that always stood out in all of those experiences all of their friends talking about how I just talked to them the other day I had no idea that they were that they were struggling it doesn't happen just with teenagers it happens with adults we live in a world that's very inward focused and very isolated. And we hardly ever stop to look another person in the eye and ask them, how are you doing? A lot of times we can actually recognize some warning signs or, or at least some signs that somebody's down or they're, they're not doing well. But a lot of times we don't want to get messy. We don't want to get into their business. We don't want to ask questions. Ask. Ask somebody how they're doing. Spend a little bit of extra time to actually listen to their answer. Like this is what it means to be a source of healing to someone else. It's it's, it's actually praying for the grace of the Holy Spirit to, to allow you to recognize that another human being around you has a need and, and you don't have to fix their need, but you actually have the power of God inside you that could come to bear to help that person. Do you realize that every single one of us has the life of God inside us? Like we're not just walking around on our own. We got Jesus in there. And if we, if we bump into somebody that has a need, we don't have to fix it. I couldn't fix it even if I tried. But Jesus can fix it. And he wants to use me and work through me to get to them. So let's pray with each other that that power of the Holy Spirit, that healing grace and healing presence would, be, would operate through us uh, to other people in our world, in our life, and, and that we know. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We ask you to come with your grace of healing and with your spiritual gifts of illumination and light. Give us the grace to be aware, to pay attention to others around us, to notice things like they're down, or they look depressed, or to, to notice things that they say that might indicate a deeper need or deeper struggle. Give us the grace in moments like that to ask questions, to listen for answers, to be patient, to be loving, and to be a vessel an open and free vessel that you could work through in us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I, I also think that the Holy Spirit wants to give a grace of evangelization the, the, the gift to share our faith with others. We kind of live in a don't ask, don't tell culture, don't we? Particularly when it comes to faith. You know, like, it's almost like it's taboo to tell somebody about what you believe. Uh, And and I I think it's, you know, Protestant evangelicals are are much more outspoken, you know, but Catholics, I think we we, kind of tend to be really shy about telling others about Jesus. And so I I don't want to stretch you you know into a panic zone by telling you go start witnessing to everybody that you encounter. But I guarantee you, if you just did this one thing, it it would it would be a shifter for you. Just start being grateful. Start walking in gratitude every day. It will be noticeable. Like people who walk around with a smile on their face and they walk around with a skip in their step and they walk around grateful. And you, know, you don't have to fake that. If you just every hour start thanking God for what you're grateful for, start stirring up gratitude, it changes your whole demeanor. Remember we, we talked the other night, like stop complaining. Every time you're tempted to complain, think of something that you're grateful for. If you start living like that, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna start walking around like a different person. You're gonna be happy, you're gonna be joyful. And guess what happens on the other side of that? People ask you questions. What's up with you? I'm serious, I've had this happen in grocery stores and in banks, standing in line in the bank and I'm kind of whistling to myself and somebody will just notice and they'll say like, what you whistling about? You seem, you seem like you're in a good mood. Like people notice stuff like that. You know why? Because everybody's walking around in a funk and a depression practically all the time. And when you're a positive, grateful, joyful presence in the world around you, people notice. It stands out like a shining light. And then guess what happens? Why are you always so happy? Sounds a little bit like Peter, doesn't it? Always be prepared To give this reason, to give a reason for this hope of yours. You know what that implies? That you're living in a way that people notice. And then they ask you. And then you're supposed to always be ready to give a reason. So you better practice. Before you start being grateful, practice what you would say when somebody asks you. Because I guarantee you they will. Okay? So let's just pray. This will be the last thing to pray for tonight. But let, let's just pray for that grace of gratitude, that God would stir up gratitude in our hearts and would give us the grace to kind of live in that gratitude in a way that's contagious, infectious, and spreads to other people. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I just pray that you would pour out that anointing Of evangelization. At the the heart of all evangelization is joy and gratitude at the incredible gift that we've been given. But I pray that you would bring that alive in our hearts in in, in a way that we would live and act and be uh, in, in a way that's different and and causes people to notice and even to ask what's what's the reason for this joy you have and in those moments Lord give us the grace to give a good answer come holy spirit come holy spirit amen let, let me let me just wrap up with, with one last thing here tonight because uh, I, I think this is a good way to orient us as we leave and end the mission this week. Uh, I talked the other night about Lord of the Rings. I'm, I'm a huge fan. If anyone wants to trade some Elvish notes with me, let me know. We can do that at the end of the night. Um, are, how many of you are familiar with the story? Okay, enough of you that I, I think you'll hopefully you can grasp. Uh, In the third, I I think it's the third film, The Return of the King. Is that where the Battle of Gondor is? Anyone who's really familiar? Isn't that the Battle of Gondor in the third one? Yeah. There's this amazing scene that I I, I just, I love. Uh, Gondor is under siege and all, all of these armies of evil like are storming on the city in, in a way that's overwhelming. It's, it's it's almost like the battle for Helm's Deep, which happened in the second, uh, the second film. Uh, but now it's the city, and, and all, all of all of these armies, you know, are like crushing, you know, and they're, and they're they're beating down the front gate. And just on the other side of the gate, inside, like ready to brace for the battle, is Gandalf and a bunch of the others, you know. But Gandalf is sitting near Pippin one of the little hobbits. And there's this moment as, the, as one of the big orcs are pounding on the gate, you know, and the, the gate's about ready to crumble. And Pippin looks up at Gandalf and says, I didn't think it would end like this. And you can tell he's literally wetting his pants, scared to death. You know, every time that hammer hits the gate, he's like, I didn't think it would end like this. Gandalf looks down at Pippin, almost like surprised at the question, and he says, "End. this isn't the end. Death is just another path, a path that we all must take. And then he gets lost, like he looks off like... (laughs) like he's lost in his thoughts he's not looking at pippin anymore he's thinking about what he's explaining he starts describing heaven it's a far off country white shores the sun comes up in the white shores and then you see it and then pippin says you know he, he's like lost and pippin says see what see see what gandalf and then Gandalf says, a far green country. And, and he starts describing this far green country. You know. But you can see all of the peace. So you can still hear the, the orc beating down the gate. You can still hear the army on the other side. And you know at any moment they're going to crush through and a huge battle's going to rage. But in this quiet moment, here's this older one and a younger one Lost in this brief moment. And Gandalf, a complete peace comes over him as he thinks about heaven, the far green country. And Pippin says, you can see Pippin completely relax in the peace of Gandalf. And he, and he says, well, that, that's not so bad. And, and Gandalf says, no, it's not bad at all. We need to be people like that in this world. I don't care how old or how young you are. You need to believe that this life is not all there is. We're not doing what we're doing. We're not following Jesus to be good people and to try and be successful and maybe someday be able to retire. We're following Jesus so we can get to heaven. And it's way, way better than anything here. We've got to be so convicted and so convinced in that reality that in the midst of battles and in the midst of hard things and in the midst of troubling circumstances, when we're with other people and they're freaking out, Complete calm can come over us and we can look at him and say, this isn't the way it ends. This is just another thing that we got to go through. Like God is with us and he's never, never, never going to abandon us. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. If I could, just uh, before Tom uh, takes over to close us out, just one one quick thing. Uh, I have a very off-to-the-side, small nonprofit uh, called Impact Center. And a lot of my ministry, like these kinds of things, uh, that I do off-to-the-side of my full-time work for the Archdiocese is through Impact Center. And my—so a couple of things. I want to ask for your prayers— Uh, But just also ask in all humility if you would consider supporting what my wife and I do Uh, Through impact center We we are particularly trying to develop a number of resources to help couples and families Uh, I Walk with a lot of people uh, around the country who are nationally known speakers and run ministries like part uh, Impact Center, like nobody, no, nobody really knows about Impact Center because I'm I'm kind of like under the radar. I, I I don't have a big ministry because I don't have time for that, but I minister to the ministers. Does that make sense? Like I mentor. I I I have a lot of relationships with people who are full-time speakers and nationally known. Uh, you know, they're, they're all the people that you know, that you've probably had them here as speakers. Like a lot of those people, I do retreats for them. I do uh, counseling and mentoring and coaching for for a lot of those people. Right now, my wife and I are walking with seven couples whose marriages are all unraveling. Th- these are people in full-time ministry that have given years of their life to serve and and minister to other people and their own marriage is crumbling and falling apart and their families are breaking up and so that that i i feel like the covid pandemic has actually you know i think i said this the other night like the pandemic actually didn't make any of the things that are happening happen it just sped it up right and so anyway impact center uh is I, I, I would just love, I would be honored if anyone would consider supporting the ministry that we do. If you go to my website, which is just impactcenter.com, the first thing that pops up is join our mission and you can click and learn more about some of the things that we're doing, some of the projects that are that, that we're doing this coming year, and a little video pops up and tells you all about everything that we're doing. So all you really need to know is impactcenter.com, and then a pop-up will be there that, that That will take you to the rest of things, but one thing to really pray for That testimony that I shared to you tonight about my dad Which is all documented by the way that it's been written in a couple of books There's been several magazines that have done stories about my, my dad's story Well, I shared that testimony about a year and a half ago at a conference and it somehow got recorded I didn't know that it was being recorded, but it went viral on the internet and some film production company saw the story, and they 've been talking with me for months now uh, and have been doing they 're kind of in a research stage where they're they 're researching all of the medical history of everything uh, about my dad 's story but they're they 're trying to make the this, sto- this story into a feature film uh, a, nar- a narrative feature film and I, I just if you could pray for that uh, if, if that really is God's will um, but I I don't want it to just be about the miracle if that makes sense kind of like what I was sharing tonight like I, I think the greatest miracle that any of us ever experience is the fact that we've encountered God and have followed him and have responded to the love that he has for us um, that's a miracle in and of itself and I, I, I would just want the film to somehow lead people to that And not just get lost in all of the the hype of a of a miraculous story, right? Uh, So would love your prayers for that. No, actually, both my parents are deceased now. Yeah. So so thank you for your prayers and would be honored with your support. Thank you.